Gee, Steve, what are we going to do tonight? Same thing we do every podcast. Tell them how we season. What do you little princesses want to drink? I'm a vampire. I'm a mummy in Egypt. Took our best alive and came back alive with his head chopped off. I'm a fairy. How about a glass of strawberry milk? All right, here we go. It's How We Sees It, episode 188. Man, we're getting deep into this. Uh, this week, we're going to tackle a Wes Anderson, uh, Asteroid City. This was uh, released not too long ago here, a couple weeks ago, uh, into theaters or into a small amount of theaters. Um, I had to go to our local art house theater to watch this. <laughs> which, <laughs> Did you go to Sebastopol which, or over by uh, Howarth Park? Over by Howarth Park. Okay. Uh, interesting story with that, too. Like, uh, So I took off work early to go see like the 1.30 showing or whatever. Uh, it was a Friday, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go watch this. I get there. You know, there's there's several people in there. Got big old popcorn. I, I went all out. Uh, they couldn't get the movie to work. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, we had to either get a refund or come back to the 3.30 showing. And uh, so came back for the 3.30 showing and, and got in and worked out fine. But, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, man, are you kidding me? I could have I stayed at work and not l- wasted a couple hours off to get this son of a bitch. But it is what it is. I wonder if it was actually uh, film or if it was some sort of. Do they have digital uh, screens or digital projectors? I at the, uh, don't know. Theaters? They probably do. I think everything's digital. It was a sound issue. Like uh, okay. it, the, it would start up, but there was no sound. So they had to call in their technician. Apparently, it's, they're not big enough to have a technician on hand. Now, you saw it on so. a Friday, but I know it opened the week prior in like LA and New York or something like that. And it had the right. biggest the biggest opening of any West Anderson movie as far as per per for, yeah. per theater it, counter or per theater yeah it was know. five five screens okay so yeah. yeah it was his biggest and so i mean i mean that's great for him but it's it's also kind of like yeah don't get ahead of yourself you were on five screens <laughs> you know it's uh, a way of no, generating I mean, buzz i mean enough people know Wes anderson and it gives get you a headline that you know it did this well in yeah. this few theaters and sometimes that's the way for these movies to get noticed because because a lot of these uh, a lot of these like you say art house theater movies uh go under the ra- radar unless you do these sort of you know minimal well, theatrical was, releases just to get general i was buzz. i was completely surprised that it wasn't going to be in the regular theater uh truthfully i was like you know i was, I was going down the normal uh one that we go to the roxy there and it wasn't. I'm like, why is this not showing up? What What am I missing here? And and I, I mean, I guess that's just what it is. So, um, you know, and it, it's a good movie, but it is. It's very niche. Like, not everybody's gonna love this movie. Even if you are very open to movies, uh, uh, Lisa tried to watch. I I ended up going to the theater, but I also bought this on Amazon so I could watch it again. Uh, and we're watching, it and she's like, uh, "I can't stay awake. This is putting me to sleep." <laughs> so it's, I was like, yeah. it's, "It's not going to win over any new fans if you if you know people aren't a fan of Wes Anderson style. This isn't the one to bring them over because this is <laughs> nope. This is going deep into Wes Anderson style, and you know, and we talked about this with Moonlight, Moonrise Kingdom. He that's you know." If you don't like his style, that's all he's going to give you. I mean, he does some. Different, I disagree different, on that okay. because okay. I think Moonrise Kingdom actually had a 
good story that was ve- well oh. developed and and, well. and you could follow. And if you if you don't like the the background look and stuff like that, you can still get something out of that. It had it had more. To, this one was more about the words being said, not really in a conversation, but just what's being said and the visuals. Yeah, I and if you're not it, into that, you kind of. I think yeah, I think there was something overly busy about it. It was certainly. I, I watched it a second time too. I, I I rented it on Amazon for for a few dollars cheaper than your your purchase <laughs> price, which, uh, but uh, you know, and uh, and I watched it, but uh, it it really went over my head that first time, and I had to yeah. I had to kind of sit with it a little bit and say, no, I I, I have to have something to talk about. Thought about it, and then <laughs> and then went back and watched it again, and it it kind of resonated a little bit more, but it doesn't yeah. quite have that entertainment value that uh, moonrise kingdom does and maybe no. it's because you know the, the the characters even though they're quirky and 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 witty they're they're so immersed in the in the language and lore of this existential pursuit of 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 <laughs> who am i and what is the meaning of life and and dealing right. with grief and and these sort of really <laughs> heavy heavy topics which which we'll get into because because i think it's a really fascinating script and it's really fascinating yeah. storytelling but it can, it's not gonna win over any new this, new fans this is a movie that the the comedy really could uh you know be helped by you know having a couple of cocktails before you go see it uh lucky for us that's something we do when we do these podcasts is is we have a couple of cocktails ready to go with this podcast uh and uh it's no different today uh we we both have some cocktails set up for this one i'm gonna let you go first steve okay um, I found a cocktail called the Stargazer, and I did a little twist on it just to tie it into this into this movie a little more. They go to the um, to Asteroid City, which has the Junior Stargazers and Space Cadets uh, are are being welcomed for for this yeah. this event, and so. I created a Junior Stargazer, which is based on the actual recipe. It's two ounces of Chardonnay, um, half ounce of gold rum, one ounce of pineapple juice, a half ounce of vanilla syrup, and a lime wheel. Um, Stir it up and put it on ice. And then I created the Senior Stargazer as well. And this, I I went up, I I, I notched it up a little bit with my acid adjustment. (laughs) I did, you know, I figured they do a lot of experiments in this movie, so I'll throw my little experiment here. So this I called the Senior Stargazer. (laughs) It's again, two ounces of Sutter, of the Chardonnay, excuse me, a half ounce of gold rum, one ounce of acid adjusted pineapple juice, half ounce of vanilla, (laughs) vanilla syrup. And I put a lemon wheel so I could tell them apart. And what's the, what's nice is I get to do a taste comparison, which I've already done a couple tastes. And I, (laughs) I really like this cocktail. It's really refreshing. Uh, but the extra acid does give it a kick. It tastes more like kind of got that margarita, um, kick to it, which, which is, which is really nice. So, it's not it, it's not too much to you got you know I picked up a little citric acid and malic acid at at uh, at the uh, Bevmo or at beverages and beverage people sorry where we get our beer oh, beverage our people beer, yeah 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 ingredients I did that the last time I did this and it only takes uh, for a hundred milliliters of of pineapple juice you add three and a half grams of uh, citric acid and two grams of malic acid and just mix it up to combine. You don't drink it directly because then you're going to get quite that sour kick. But when you add it to a to a drink, it's 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 more like a, a lime juice, which is already okay. got, which has already got that acid built into it. So it's turning it into more of a of a lime juice style, but with pineapple juice. So okay, I think I it's I that. think it's fun to 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 have a chance <laughs> to do that little side by side experiment, and um, I'm going to keep doing my 
my non-lime juice cocktails this way <laughs> so I can you know, up my up my acid game. <laughs> right. There you go. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I was going back and forth uh, like I always do and was thinking about. And the one thing I, I that really stood out to me in this movie was the three little girls. They don't have many lines, it. but when they do, they are. It's, oh, it's great. That first line, yeah. especially, which I, I saw your cocktail. And... Yeah. So, um, yeah, they just they just it floored me with everything they were. And I was like uh, and I did some research on them. You know, they're actually uh, they're triplets, but it's triplets with a set of twins. So two of them are identical twins with a sister that makes it's a triplet. It's just a, it's a weird anom- anomaly, I guess, that, you know. They were going to be fraternal twins, and then uh, uh, one of those split and became identical twins also. And wow. so, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, pretty interesting. And so I was like, "That's fucking cool as shit." Just, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know. Uh, so the scene that got me, you know, started with was is them walking into the the diner, and you know, they sit down, and he orders them all uh, pancakes or you know, short stack or whatever, and flapjacks, and I, flapjacks. That's what it was. And then I, uh, you know, I thought it was a milkshake that they ordered. I thought it was a strawberry milk, but it was strawberry milk. Oh, okay. And so uh, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to do a strawberry milk cocktail. And I was researching things, and I just found – I found – you know, and I, was trying to, I was trying not to buy anything, uh, which, which I was able to do, which was good. I still did go to uh, our friends at Bottle Barn and looked for a couple different things just in case I was going to tweak it. I wanted to get some really good strawberry flavor in there. Um, what I ended up going with was – is. Uh, I made this in a pitcher, so this is a, a big blended. Um, you're going to get a lot of this out of this recipe. You can dial it down if you want just one. I went with four ounces of vanilla vodka, right? Just to start with that, you know, vanilla ice cream is usually what you go for, you know, that base in a, in a, a milkshake. Um, then I went with it's, it's uh, four ounces, and it's cream la fraise de bois, and it's a strawberry, a wild strawberry liqueur. Um, from France. Okay. And I used this not too long ago in something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I, I forgot I even had it. <laughs> and I was looking at a bottle bar, and I was like, uh, I'll figure something else out. And I get home, and I'm like, oh, crap, I still got that. Sweet. <laughs> so <laughs> throw that in there, four ounces. Uh, and then for the cream, you know, that, 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 that nice creamy, you normally would go with like a vanilla ice cream or something with strawberries and stuff like that for your flavor. Um, I went with a rum chata coconut cream liqueur. Um, and so that, that's my cream base, uh, to that, I added four super large, fresh strawberries, um, in this, and then, uh, two cups of ice blended it up and it's, it's somewhat like a milkshake. It's really creamy, but it's not so thick. It's more like a super cold kind of thick strawberry milk. And it is super, super tasty. And I call this fairy, uh, fairy witches and uh, vampire fuel. So it's right because because it's the it's the person that that's running that's behind the bar that basically says what what do you princesses have and we're yeah, not princesses and, and they all kind of <laughs> rattle off what they are and they're all each you know I'm a witch I'm a this I'm a that yeah. <laughs> that's great. well if you, and if you notice the little the girl that says she's a vampire she actually has little uh, fangs okay I noticed and I wasn't <laughs> sure if she was just wearing those little teeth or well, well I, was, I mean I was assuming that's what it was I'm, yeah and she's wearing a and then the other one's wearing a witch cap all the time but I just thought it was hilarious and, and it just cracked me up and so I uh, I had to go with that one i had to find something to do with the girls so in in my picture even i i poured three glasses of it 
just so that uh, they each would get one. They didn't so. have many lines, but especially that <laughs> when when they had that delivery, something that Wes Anderson is is so known for is the timing of of the, the you know when actors deliver their lines, and they they were all within the same frame, and they basically kind of deliver their same line their their lines. One kind of interrupting at the very end, and then interrupt. It it, it came off so beautifully that I'm, I'm I'm wondering if you know if he shot them each individually and kind of layered them on top or if they just got the delivery just right and good for them I think it's a combination okay. uh, I read I read an article about it cuz um they were talking about they they shot this over in Spain and and they had everybody over in this during covid time and so everybody was kind of hanging out in the hotels and stuff like that and apparently these girls were just loving it and they were talking about all these different scenes and um in the interview they talk about how the, the interview would say something to them and they would all start kind of talking like they do in the movie where they're partially talking over each other, but yet also continuing each other's like flow and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I think what happened was, is uh, Wes Anderson just realized what he had there and just let them go. Like, this is kind of what I want you guys to say. And he just filmed it and took kind of the best pieces of it. And it, and it works out uh, great. Um, yeah, they they and they were and they were so excited. They would call him uh, Mr. Wes. Uh, they got to wrestle around with uh, Tom Hanks, and um, and then I guess they were pretty good friends with Scarlett Johansson. And you know they they got it. Right. They just in, experience with this movie for them is is super cool. One uh, of the things I got to say about this movie, kind of before we really get into it too much, is it reminded me a lot of my my senior film at uh, San Diego State <laughs> University when I made my, my, it was a 30 minute film. And it, it was, it was about two brothers, but it kind of had a lot of the same themes. And it was a, it was a, it was kind of a film within a film like this is where, where, oh, okay. where there's a, where the, there's one person that's watching the movie of this happening and it, it, you know, there's relationship between them and it's, it's a little heady and it's a little, um, <laughs> uh, you, you know, I, I think, I think when I made it, my brother wrote the script and I, I directed it and, you know, we kind of represent the two people on the screen. So, so there was a lot of metaphorical things there, but I remember I was a little, it, when I got the script, I was a little nervous about it because I wanted to make it entertaining i still wanted to make it yeah. i didn't want to just well, get good, too, good call. too lost in the in in the words and the script and, and stuff like that so when i was watching this i kind of felt the same way it's that he does have a lot of that humor but there is a struggle you're going to lose your audience with too much of this once people lose track of what's going on and uh it's it's it becomes a much more of a challenge so um so for me, I, I I get what you're saying, and and listening to some of the podcasts I did, there was there was people all over the board with this, and some people did bring that up. They're like, "Oh, it was a really hard story to follow." It's actually not if you don't try and read into anything. I I know I I realize that it has some broad <laughs> strokes, you know, that, that you get a sense of everything that's going on, but it's so muddied with this heavy dialogue that it's it you feel like you're completely lost. Now I did when I watched it the second time after kind of. It, it all made perfect sense. So it was almost like, it was like I was, I was a little behind, you know, mentally while I was watching yeah, yeah. it. And it, so it always, I always felt like I was too far behind to really get a sense of it. And, and I don't know if that's the best way to, to make movies. I'm not sure. I mean, it, well, I think it depends on, like I said, how you go into it. If you, if you're going into this, like 
a lot of people were like, oh, I, I, I don't understand what he was actually trying to say with his movie or what, what was this? Why does he ha- just watch the movie? You know, that's, I think, I think, and I especially got this on the second watching. Yeah. Um, where I even paid more attention to like sp- specific lines and stuff like that. I still was like, it's, it's, it's very basic if you just watch it for what it is and, and don't try and read into anything. Cause there's a lot of stuff to read into. I'll give you that 100%. Um, one, one of the other things that uh, some of the people were talking about that I, I was kind of like, well, that's that's interesting, is the, the cast in this is f- just blockbuster, right? I mean, the, 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 the people in this are just all stars in their own. And they're like, it, it's... They're like, it, it's almost distracting. It's like, you know, you got these huge people in there and they barely got any lines and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, is that really a bad thing? Like, why do we have to, like, just because they're a big star, why do they always have to have blockbusters and be the main star? And why can't they just have a bit part? What is so wrong with it? Like, people were actually upset that there were so many stars in this and that didn't get, you know, this big amount of time on the screen. And I'm like, maybe they feel like it's, you know, it's more of a club environment that, you know, if you have to be an A-lister to get into a Wes Anderson movie. And so it's more, it feels more exclusive and that's a little off-putting to some people. I agree with you. I, I loved seeing the cast. Um, it was, it was, it was exciting to see a lot of the faces and go, Oh my God, that's, I mean, he's got a lot of recurring <laughs> people that, that come back. Unfortunately, Bill Murray yeah. wasn't in this, I guess he had COVID. Uh, so, yeah. uh, so Steve Carell picked up his role at the last minute, but, uh, and I'm glad. I am. I am personally glad that that happened. Uh, I don't think Bill Murray would have brought what Steve Carell did. I think it would have been a total different character, and I'm not so sure it would have been better. It might have been. I think, yeah, I thought. I thought Steve Carell brought more subtlety to it. Bill Murray wouldn't have been he, able to do that. <laughs> no, he's he's about as subtle as me. <laughs> Yeah. You know, not very at all. Um, yeah, no, I, I just I thought that was an interesting take on this, that people were so like, oh, there's there's too many, you know, like uh, one of the one person specifically pull, uh, called out uh, li- uh, live live it live 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 uh, Schreiber. Schreiber. <laughs> yeah. Leave Schreiber. Uh, I, I think... Leave. Yeah, I thought it was leave. Yeah, sorry. Leave. Anyways, he has very few lines and they're like, well, why even get him if he's only I'm like, well, why not? Well, maybe maybe these people want to be in this because you know one of the things they talked about is is they were when they were filming kind of like I mentioned earlier that they were hanging out together and having fun with each other and it's like you know just yeah you know and, you're right it a list club maybe it is but maybe they're just regular people and they want to have fun and hang out with their friends and and okay here's a line from them when he has an exchange with his uh, his son Clifford son. Why, why do you always have to dare something and, and his son who's just this you know crazy little kid that does oh, yeah. he he suddenly has this moment I don't know maybe it's because I'm afraid otherwise nobody will notice my existence in the universe it's like boom drop you know, drop dropping big no that was that was a heavy heavy one really and there were a lot of those sort of moments of just kind of this existential discovery um, or or, or quest for discovery, you know. You have them breaking the fourth wall and breaking, you know, walking out of the out of the movie and backstage and and trying to find motivation for why I, you know, I don't get my. Why character. does he burn his hand? Yeah, that was interesting. I, I, I loved. I loved how this is again second watching when you're picking up more on this stuff, which which is is exciting to to 
to have a movie that, you know, you're not really sure, but then when you watch it a second time and you realize, well, there was something there that, yeah, maybe it didn't deliver as a, as a, as a first watch blockbuster, but there's still so much meat in here that it's worth revisiting. I like that line because, uh, when, you know, they bring up the whole scene before he even burns his hand. It's, it's when he's talking to the, oh yeah yeah the writer and he, he's trying to, he's like, why does he burn his hand? And then he actually, before the writer, the writer, oh, I loved it because it, it reminded me of um, Banshees of Inisherin. Remember when we talked about that? And I think I brought up how how the writer director who when he wrote it, he ta- he wrote about the guy, you know, cutting off his fingers, and he said when he wrote it, he didn't he didn't actually plan on writing it. It just came out as as he wrote it, and uh, oh, okay, that's that's also kind of how how the director how the writer describes it in this. Well, um, when um, I don't know, they just he well. He says, "Why does why does Augie burn his hand on the quick e griddle? Quickie griddle." He's well. I don't even know. I hadn't planned it that way. He just sort of did it while I was typing, <laughs> and uh, I thought that was interesting to to hear. And then then he comes across and says, "Well, I, the way I read it, he's looking for an excuse why his heart was beating so fast, which is which is just letting us, the audience, come up with our own interpretations, no matter how ambiguous the scene is." It, I think that's that's Wes Anderson saying it's fair to to analyze this and come up with your own conclusions. Although I do think he has some 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 things that you can follow and uh, that are that are more yeah. in your in your face. So, so one of the things that also and this is almost where I went with my drink. It's actually where I started. Um, one of the things I I first walked out and and just struck me so much was the scenery and the background and everything and how much. Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. It was. This was a Warner Brother cartoon. With this is what's going well, on they, in the they back. They even had the Roadrunner Road there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. There, um, well, there's there's more than just that. I, I I picked it up the second time too. When the bus pulls in, the kid goes, "Yeah, we even saw a a, a flat coyote that got ran over." <laughs> uh, you know, and they and they show the little uh, mushroom cloud in the background. Right. And that, you know, it's supposed to possibly be, you know, uh, the the testing, you know, the Oppenheimer testing. But could it just been the coyote with his acme bombs going off? Because that <laughs> shit was happening all the time, too. You know, because uh, it looked kind of like it. The the scenery was fully on it. There's the little roadrunner in it a couple different times. I was like, he fucking pulled the this is what's literally happening. A matter of fact, the car, the, the, the cop chase scene that happens in the beginning and the end. And and, right. and I think a couple times throughout too. I think it yeah I think it happens twice in the beginning and once at the end. Once they get into like the story, this the, the people in the town, it doesn't happen as much. But I'm not even I I believe that may even happen in the cartoons too, where the the the, the cop car is chasing and shooting at the robbers and they just zoom by and then then the coyote continues his chase of the roadrunner. You know, so I I want to say that there, and I didn't hear anybody else really talking about it. I'm like. Am I the only person that watches cartoons that saw this movie? <laughs> I saw Cars, you know, the the movie Cars when I first saw that town. It reminded uh-huh. me of Mater and you know the you know mm. the car breaks down and you're and uh yeah, what is that? Uh, radio, radio, radiator City? Oh, is that what it is? Okay, yeah. That's that's what this reminded me of, but I like your interpretation more. I think I think I think you nailed it. I think this is this is it, It's uh, all the mountains the well, It is. Yeah. It's it's the whole thing, and I was, and they, and it's, they not even, and it's a, and it's a quickie griddle, like Wile E. Coyote, you know, quickie. Yeah. 
the whole thing, the, the whole thing, I was like, the only thing they didn't have in there is an Acme box. Like, if they would have had the car up on an Acme box at some time, or you know, just in the background, I would have been like, fucking one hundred percent. That would have been <laughs> the the you know, this would have just been the background of a Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon. Speaking uh, of Acme, though, did I I when he when at the beginning it's Matt Dillon that's uh, the 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 mechanic, <laughs> and he talks yeah. about the seventy side. You know, your pro, your car either has one of two problems. Two problems. It's either it's it's either a seventy seventy five cent part. That uh, that'll fix it, or yeah. and then he goes and launches into this this horror story of of a car that's you know yeah. that the kids are are banging, <laughs> banging on out in the end in the lot, and it looks like it's been gone through a war war zone. But um, and then it turns out, of course, it's some third thing. But he twists this little device that could have absolutely been from a little Acme box, but it's it's, <laughs> yep. it's this little twist box. And I swear that same little gadget looks like the alien uh, oh, thing so that the, comes oh, down off the alien thing. And <laughs> it, it has this little twist thing at the bottom. And I'm like, that's the part from the car. Cause, because, of course, Matt Dillon doesn't even know what, what the part is. Yo, when it pops out, when he's starts, like, what is that? When it starts flooding around like it's a fetus <laughs> that's been born and it's just spewing. Oh, it, that was so funny. Because, yeah, <laughs> when, he, well, when he was tightening it on, I'm like, what kind of car part is that? I do. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what the hell is that? But uh, you know, the little girls and uh, I got their names here right now. So in the in the movie, their names were uh, Andromeda, Pandora, and Cassiopeia. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, the only time they say it is is when they go to when the car is broken down and they have to get all their stuff. The uh, the dad starts barking out orders for them to like you know check under the seats and pull out all the stuff and. It- so is there a pan? There must be a Pandora uh, constellation. I know Andromeda and Cassiopeia. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. There, I okay. think I believe. I okay. believe so. What was um, the, there was that scene where they have all the constellations painted on the on the wall and what's on the, the walls. Guy, the guy says, "Oh yeah, my my my, my mom made up new names for." Yeah, him. <laughs> didn't remember all the constellations. So that's spatula, and that's you know all these <laughs> kind of crazy names. Oh my God! Speaking of names, I I got to just throw this out there because these y- you can what there's so many so many crazy details in this if you like pause it and read the sign or something like that you know oh, yeah, but, yeah. but i i wrote down all the ribbons all the all the awards that they gave out oh, yeah to the to the to the uh, junior stargazers when they were giving them the 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 awards for all their crazy inventions i'm just going to read them out just to add a little fun to the to the to the to the podcast <laughs> well a little moment of of levity but listen to this the collapsing star ribbon of success the black hole badge of triumph the red giant sash of honor the distant nebula laurel crown the white dwarf medal of achievement um, anyway, I loved I loved yeah. the delivery of 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 the lines by uh, who was that? Jeffrey that was Wright. the general, yeah, Jeffrey Wright yeah, playing General Wright. Gibson. Um, his delivery was was spectacular. Um, he was very interested in this. Uh, his little buddy too. Um, oh, what uh, I can't think of his name, but I just know him from he he was uh, Flash Thompson <laughs> in Spider Man. Uh, Fisher He's Stevens, his, right? Is that who? Ta- uh, is that the actor? I'm looking for. I, I I'm trying to find it too. I remember, he has a very small. I remember role, him but... from Short Circuit too. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Um, but then he was also in um, in that series that I watched recently that just ended. Uh, that that Bo also watched recently. Um, <laughs> what, well, about, that narrows it down. No, 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 no. About the oh, succession. 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 Thank you. I don't think I would have pulled that out of my brain. Thank you for saying that. I, I haven't <laughs> even watched it. And yeah, I got that. He I was in you. succession, but that's Fisher Stevens. And I think he was a sidekick to the general. Um, 
And okay, I, I think that's the only thing I I could think of him from is is uh, Spider Man. Spider Man. Uh, okay. He's uh he's uh Flash Thompson. Um, he's the the kid that kind of the bully that's picking on Spider Man in Far From Home and No Way Home and all that and. Oh, maybe we're uh, talking homecoming. about maybe we're talking about someone else. Then I'm sorry, I I jumped to to another character. Homecoming. Oh, oh, he's you're the one that. Oh, you're talking about the lead, the, the one that plays the the son, the brain the brainiac kid. Um, is that what you're talking about? It's a, his name is is Tony uh, Revolori. Uh, is is the actor's name. Looks like, uh, you know, he's been in... Oh, he was in Grand Budapest, too. He was in The Willow, Dope, Spider-Mans, uh, the different Spider-Mans. Um, something else. Uh, Scream, the new Scream movie. But okay. I just know him as as the... He's the Flash Thompson. He's the bully kind of character. Um, but he was the guy... He was kind of like the, the general's left, left-hand man, uh, you know always running in with the different things. He was the one that ran up and like lifted the, the microphone for him when he moved from podium to the microphone. Uh, he's got a, it's, it's kind of a bit. Part, I know who you're talking it's, about. It's too much of a bit part for me to remember, but I, I, he, he actually reminds me of, uh, of the son of, of Augie, Augie's son. Um, oh, okay. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a different guy. That is, um Woodrow uh Jake Ryan Where are we? Okay, there we are. Yeah, he, he um I didn't recognize him, but he looked he looked very much oh, I guess he was in um Moonrise He was in uh, Moves Right Kingdom, yeah. It's interesting cuz I, I thought he was the one that played the uh butler or the 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 bellboy and Grand Budapest Hotel, but no, I guess it was Tony. Uh, wow, I had my characters backwards a little bit. Sorry, just a little moment of uh, moment of. of, of <laughs> I you know I I don't know the character right off the hands. I'm just looking at his IMDb. Did, did though, you but ever, was, did you ever see Grand Budapest Hotel? No, I still have not. Okay, and that's that's one that I I need to get in there. Uh, but he was in Uncut Gems. And he played dwarf number two. I don't remember there being dwarfs in Uncut Gems, but he was dwarf number two. Well, there you go. <laughs> that just that makes me laugh. He was a great character. I mean, they realistically, the characters in this were were great, and uh, you know, um, they were all kind of quirky, and they all had their little things. But I think that's you know that's what made it interesting. You know the story itself was kind of bleh, but you know I really the way thought, they acted. I thought Scarlett Johansson elevated oh her my character uh, quite a bit. Well, oh, you're not. You're not. She. I, I love. I love her. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought, at first, I thought, your expression made me think that you were disagreeing with me. <laughs> no. Um, no. Not at all. I. I her, she could do no wrong. Yeah, her delivery was much more engaging. She brought something interesting to the character that drew me in, and and that's and that's tough with with Wes Anderson scripts or you know, the, you know a lot of a lot of the. I'm assuming the direction is just say the lines, you know, and and don't <laughs> and, and bring some bring some interesting uh, idiosyncrasies to the character like like ed norton had that kind of that 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 whistle i, I loved that whistle he brought to his you know when he spoke he brought that little, yeah 
you know, he would just kind of whistle his S's a little bit, yeah. which was which was hilarious. But but there's not much more going on except just kind of this. It's almost like David Mamet uh, type of a screenplay and, and how he has his lines delivered. That it's, it's just more punchy and, and you got to get your lines out. And I don't care about about much more than just getting them out fast, getting the lines out fast. And that it seems like right. Wes Anderson sticks to a certain formula when it comes to how his lines are delivered. And it's nice to see someone like Scarlett Johansson add something without, without breaking, breaking the rules, you know, still kind of staying within the formula, but bringing something that's much more engaging to that character. And that's the sort of stuff I saw in Moonrise Kingdom more so in other characters that I didn't find as much in this one. So Jason Schwartzman um, has been in a lot of Wes Anderson's. Oh, yeah. He's like the, uh, the... I think this is the first time he's really kind of been the lead. Oh, and I, okay. I, I, I think most of the other stuff he's been kind of... I mean, where this one... I mean, if you if you had to call for a lead in this, I think, you know, Augie Steinbeck is the lead of this movie, right? The only the only other potential would be Ed Ed Norton as the... The writer, but I think we get more from Schwartzman's Augie character than we do from that. But uh, I think he did an incredible job, and much like you were talking about Scarlett Johansson, I think his acting, the way he portrayed the guy, you know, the way he portrayed Augie, and then on the flip side, the way he portrayed, uh, you know, the actor playing Augie was really kind of create. You know, it, it, I thought it really did a good job. Uh, it was pretty interesting. Um. Uh. You know, we just did uh, um, Spider-Man Across the uh, Spider-Verse, and he was the the voice of Spot, which I would have never picked yeah, up. Yeah, that's I mean, right. Just, I, was like, I was like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Um, but, I, you know, the acting in this is, is incredible. And, you know, these people that were talking about, oh, it's, it's too – it's too star heavy. You know, they were talking about how they didn't like uh, Tom Hanks in this. And I love Tom Hanks in this. I thought he – I mean, I – he was a, he was a grandpa in this, and I was like, "Fuck, that's a that's a cool ass grandpa." I love I, you know just the shit he did and the the, the interaction between him and Augie I thought was incredible because it it made sense to me. <laughs> you know, I don't I, I don't I thought, know if that's I thought why it was good. This was a good role for him. His wife was even in it too. She had a little bit part. She answered the phone. Rita Wilson at at one point. Uh, um, Right, right towards the end, um, or no? It's it's when they make the when they when they get smuggle the dime into the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone booth. She's the operator. She's the, she's the one that picks up the phone and has to be convinced to hand it off to someone. But uh, but yeah, I agree. Tom Hanks. It it was a good role. I think when I saw the tra- the original trailer, his his presence on the screen when I saw that it kind of threw me a little bit, and I didn't think he fit. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't have that impression when I saw the movie. So. But I mean, they talk about big actors with with very small roles in this. Jeff Goldblum as the alien. Oh my god! And I, I love his. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because you you first see the alien, and it's this it's this. Uh, I don't know if it's probably claymation using, almost. It's it's probably using the same sort of claymation they use in Fantastic Mr. Fox or what whatever. Yeah. And uh, the dog uh, Isle of Dogs. You know, he, he probably uses that same same style because he's familiar with it. But yeah, where they go backstage and and he has that. I wrote down his line too because it's great. When um, <laughs> where is it? Uh, it's oh, it actually made me think about the metaphor of of the alien. And that was a question I was going to ask on what the alien, um, stealing the meteorite symbolizes. Um, but what, where's his line? 
I don't think it, it. I don't think it symbolizes anything. I think it's just one of those things. I think it's I think fair it, to try to interpret it, though. It, it's almost like Wes Anderson wants you to. He, he I mean, he's he's in, encouraging you to to come up with a reason, and and that's what. God, where is it? It, it was it was something they're cataloging it. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they, they did catalog. catalog, but but when what's what's. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's line. He's like, I'm playing it like a metaphor. Um, I'm not playing it like an alien. I'm not playing him like yeah. an alien. Instead, I'm playing him like a metaphor. And that's when Augie walks by or the guy who plays Augie yeah. and says, yeah, what's the metaphor? And he's like, well, we haven't, we haven't figured, figured that out that, yet. That part out yet. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's all he gets from him. And then he goes and tackles the director and says, you know, yeah. what's my motivation? Am I playing him right? And he's like, I don't know what your motivation is, but you're doing it right. And then, yeah. and then the writer well, goes and dies. So, <laughs> but then we then I mean, so you got Jeff Goldblum, definitely a star, right? Super small part. William Defoe, huge star, tiny yeah. ass part. Yep. Um, Marco Robbie, huge star, tiny part. Oh, that was a beautiful part. I I think her role in this was I mean she was the she played the the wife the the wife yeah. that died who was cut from the screenplay and was playing another right. role in a, in a in a in a you know a next a neighboring theater but and she and she basically describes the scene that they were supposed to have I guess right. a dream sequence with the with the alien and why <laughs> had she, had she visited the alien oh my gosh that that makes you think but again it's just it's you you can tell that. Wes Anderson, I think he wrote it with one of the Coppolas or something, but uh, yeah, the, uh, one of the Coppolas. Uh, but he he was talking about talking about his writing. It sounds like he just writes and he's not sure what it all means, but it's always all obviously coming from somewhere. In fact, he said a, a lot of this. He, he the 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 original script wouldn't have had a quarantine if it hadn't been for the pandemic because he wrote he wrote this when okay. when that happened, and so you can even look at this and and see hints of a of a of a quarantine slash pandemic <laughs> happening in the middle because that's what they do after oh. the, after the alien shows up and and kind of the chaos that that ensues during oh, that quarantine uh, so you know now that you say that one of one of the, the scenes that happens is and it's when they go into quarantine and they're they're being questioned and stuff like that and it's um i'm trying to think of the character uh ricky He's the the Asian boy, right? And he's the the uh, the reporter kid or whatever. And and so they're 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 grilling him, trying to get his 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 contacts or where he got his story. And he's okay. the one that gets the story out. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, it's it's one of those ones where they're they're doing you know it's a Wes Anderson staple where he has you know the scenes all set up and he just rolls the the camera on by and it just kind of picks up picks up picks up. <laughs> um, you know it's in every one of his movies. But uh, yeah, you know, I I picked up on that because they're they're giving him the third degree, and it's just hilarious. But he's also the one that you know leaks the photo and the information and stuff like that, and just something about that made me laugh. Uh, you know, each one of the kids had their own little kind of what was going on. You know, uh, you know, you got the love triangle, or the not the love triangle, but the love love story between uh, you have um, uh, Woodrow and uh, Dinah. Sure. Which happens to be, yeah, which happens to be Augie and Midge's kids. So you have the kids kind of having a little love story as the parents are kind of having a little love story, which sure. I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it, is, it was just kind of funny, you know, it, 
there's so much little stuff going on in this that y- you could go off on tangents on so do, much. Do you think this could have gotten away with uh, a miniseries like like you do an eight episode Ooh. series on on Netflix when it's you know Wes Anderson directs them all and 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 just turns these into more individual stories and then this kind of overarching theme on the outside. I think it could have gotten away with something a little bit. I don't know if there's enough substance in each of the well, little stories. I think I, the more I, you, I think the more you dive into these little stories, you're going to start seeing how shallow they really are. I think it would have been more palatable in smaller doses. It would have because it's so rich to start with in dialogue. Visually, it's very, very exciting, very, very, very visually. Uh, you know, attractive. stunning. It's, yeah, stu- yeah, I mean the mm-hmm. oh the the way they frame things and the Polaroid style boxes and and he does a great job with that for he sure. He uses different frame. You know, I, there were there was actually an interesting moment when they're at the meteor. You know, when right before the alien shows up, where they're mm-hmm. talk where it's the general speaking, and they do cutaways, and the general is in wide angle, and then they do the cutaways, and that's kind of the square. And I didn't get that. I know they use the square uh, for the for the um when it was black and white when it was out you know yeah but that got a little distracting at points too I, like the and also where they would go into the 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 play side of it and they did the acts and they had the the kind of the playbill book cover this, as part of it, it I, it got a that got a little you know i don't know if that worked this this was very much like you know a few years ago when uh, showtime had David Lynch returned to do the the final season of Twin Peaks, and it was twenty one episodes, and ev- all of them were <laughs> an hour long, and they were as surreal and bizarre as you. I mean, there was no logic to most any of it. Um, they even had one one episode that was dedicated. Seventy five percent of it was an atomic bomb uh, going off, and it was basically the camera getting sucked into the atomic bomb, and you, you were watching it for, Weird. for a good 30 minutes and not sure what, what was going on. And this is, but, but that that's David Lynch going, you know, coming up with ideas and just putting them on film. But is, can you grab hold of anything of substance? I think Wes Anderson offers some more to grab hold to, you know, See, you, to me- you get a better understanding of, <laughs> of, of, of what's going on, or at least, at least what's inspiring some of this. Whereas David Lynch sometimes, Sometimes yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just too deep, but it reminded me a lot of that. And I, I know I've, to me, I started on something else and I completely did. <laughs> so. To me, what this seemed like it was more um, a passerby's kind of vision of what's going on. Like, that's why the stories work the way they do. If you start getting too deep into them, like I said, I think they run kind of shallow. This is kind of more like on the surface. Oh, this is almost like eavesdropping onto someone's conversation. You're kind of catching the the bits and pieces and and you get a little bit interested in that and you, and then you could you could feed your mind on on what you think the rest of it is. But if you really knew what it was, I think you'd be almost, you know, let down. And I think that's what this story really is is if if you got too deep into any of this, you might get let down. There like I I don't think there's much more than what's on the surface. But I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I, I almost feel like that was something that, that the writers and, you know, the director was trying to bring to this is like, what's the meaning? Well, sorry, there isn't much more meaning. We're just telling <laughs> what We're a, just telling the story. Yeah. You're just eavesdropping. I have another line ri- ri- I wrote down when it was Dr. Uh, Hickenlooper, um, who, who's <laughs> Tilda Swinton play, plays Dr. Yeah. Dr. Hick- Hick- Hickenlooper. And, 
And she has this line where she says, I never had children. Sometimes I wonder if I wish I should have. And the, it's, it's the fact that they have, I wonder if I wish I should have. I mean, that I wish. It's, I, I get it if it's like, sometimes I wonder if I should have, or sometimes I wish I should have, but sometimes I wonder if mm-hmm. I wish I should have. Is is so bizarre that you hear that, and I think I was having this kind of double take on a lot of the lines in this movie, which distracted me. Of uh, that's why I was losing losing um, track of what was going on because I kept getting <laughs> right. caught up in in a line like that and like, wait a second, what is she trying to say? And and then by this time they're on exactly to what she's two, saying. But and then they're on to two more lines, and and yeah. I I missed them because I was too caught up in this, but. I really like that. And that's where I think it could have benefited from being more of a individual's, you know, smaller series shows put together in exactly the same style, uh, but uh, but in, in smaller doses and and maybe draw out some of these stories a little bit more. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm watching I'm currently watching the, the Secret Invasion and uh, it's a drawn out kind of slow show. And I think. You know, to your your like I said, I think if you draw some of this out, I think it's going to slow down, and I think it's going to lose its magic. I think because everything's coming at you at the speed it is, and not giving you time to think, except for what's on the surface. You know, your 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 immediate thoughts. I think if you start to think too deeply into some of this, I think it loses some of its 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 juice. Um, and it, that that's just my my thought on it, and that's only after I've watched it twice. This is, uh, you know, like Moonrise Kingdom, um, I think this is one that can be watched multiple times and you're still going to pick up some interesting things from it. Um, and it may be that, that, that this is just as one of those is like, I don't know if a series would work, but multiple watchings would definitely let you catch more things and, and, and dive deeper into them. And, and, and really, like you said, Wes Anderson wasn't trying to tell you what he, wa- what he wants from this movie. He's given you he's given you um, the start of the sentence and he's letting you finish it. Yeah. And, and for viewers, if you're interested in a movie that has existential exploration and an <laughs> ambiguity and is really, you know, I, th- I think there's certain audiences that are going to be drawn towards this. I read, I, I read a lot of like 10 out of 10 reviews saying this is a masterpiece and and I see where they're coming from when they're able to break things down and really say, look what he's doing here and look what he's doing here. It's like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> At the same time, I, I do think it it lacks a little bit of that, yeah, that that entertainment value that that he is able to bring, but it didn't quite all. Uh, this, I mean, this is, it had a lot of good ingredients, me. but it didn't quite all come together as 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 effectively. Yeah. This reminds me of like a situation where there's a, there, say there's a book series that someone's read and they're like, oh my God, this is the greatest book ever. <laughs> and you read it and it's like, well, it was okay, but it wasn't my cup of tea. This is going to be the cup of tea for certain people and they're going to, yeah. they're going to freak out and love it and, and they're going to go crazy. And then there's going to be people that are on the fence and kind of like, it was good, but it wasn't great. And then there's going to be people who watch this and go, I will never get back that time in my life. What the fuck have you done <laughs> well, to me? Yeah, I mean, this is the Dark Tower right. series for Stephen King. You know, he did a, a <laughs> seven and seven and a half part. You know, I think he introduced a lot of elements from Dark Tower into a lot of his other uh, other books too. Uh, but it's it's much more of an existential journey that follows uh, follows you know some characters on, on a really crazy journey, and it's nothing like his 
his his horror genre stuff out there. Right, right. At the same time, there there was a movie, The Dome, I believe, that this movie kind of reminded me. And I thought, oh, this is Stephen King. He's he he could write something like this. Or you know, what happens if a if a small town gets under quarantine and suddenly they're 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 stuck? And that's what happens in The Dome, where it's this crazy dome falls over this town and they're stuck in there and they can't leave. And it's what happens to those characters. And, 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 you know, and here that's the third act, that's the one week passes and then it comes back right. and, 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 you know, it's, it's turned into a, a kind of a crazy wild town. Everyone's, you know, all the, all the tourists have showed up to, to try to sell their product. Right. And, um, yeah. Well, I think it's funny cause they're, they're just on the outside of the fence. Right. And they're on the inside and they're, we're getting little things like, this is where Steve Carell comes in as like the, I don't know, town leader. What I don't know, he's 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 the guy that runs the hotel and he's selling he's, real estate out of a out of a <laughs> soda pop machine. You know, got a little vending. But machine. it's only like it's like ten feet by ten feet. It's like for like a, it's a tennis you know, court. Ten, I think it was like the size of a tennis court. Yeah, he's, for, well, he said like yeah, half for, the size for forty quarters. You know, you can have the. Yeah. he says, but it doesn't work like you own it. You you basically you you are are loaned the deed for 50 years until it matures and then and then you become full owner i mean it's it's crazy it's great it's weird <laughs> well and so i almost i was watching again too and i i didn't catch it the first time at all but there's a the cantina machine he walks through at one point he's got like a little cocktail in there where'd you get that he's like well the cantina machine <laughs> and so i think it's one of those things where it's like he's got a like a, a vending machine for everything you know it's kind it of does you're right. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Uh, I almost, I almost went with that with a, the cantina machine uh, cocktail. Um, but yeah, it, it, there's little stuff like that that is is so clever. But yeah, uh, we got the whole town. You know, they are the kids are kind of doing their thing. The adults are doing thing. You know, we get the love affair or the 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 discussions back and forth between uh, you know uh, Johansson and um, Schwartzman. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know they're they're in their little cabins which are like six feet apart. <laughs> so yeah, funny line too. And she's like, you know, she's reading her scenes and she goes, "Do you want do you want to see my nude scene?" And he just sits there for a second. He's like, "Did, did I say anything? I, I meant to say <laughs> yes." He's like, "Did my mouth move?" And so that was pretty funny. Interesting fact too. So that was actually Scarlett Johansson uh, in doing the nude scene. So much so that uh, I guess uh, Wes Anderson was too embarrassed to do it, so she had to direct the scene herself. Uh, yeah, I, I heard that he was a little. Yeah, it, it's funny because in the movie they allude to the fact that she might have used a body double. I think that's something that that because they show it, and then Scarlett Johansson's character says in the movie though it'll be much more. You know, it'll it'll cut away before you know into the back of the leg. It'll cut away to the back of the leg. Yeah, yeah, which of course they didn't do that for us. I think it was a little out of focus, and that was about it. So but, that's how they got a PG or a PG thirteen rating instead of the R. Is okay because originally it came back with an R, and they had then they had to. I didn't know that that's they actually made an adjustment. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Well, she's done full frontal. She, yeah, in, that's in, yeah, that's not her first time. Yeah. you know, showing the goods. So uh, <laughs> good for her too. Um, Matter of fact, I so the first time I saw this, you know, like I said, I I had to come back for the the other one. It was a hot day. I started to fall asleep during the the movie in the theater, and it was during that scene. I woke up, luckily enough, in time for that scene, but I had dozed off for just a a, a, a smidgen before that. Speaking of sleeping, there's that whole uh, Adrian Brody. Uh, oh God! Where they, I think he's talking about. Because I think it's Willem Dafoe that talks about has anyone yes. fallen asleep during 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 uh, a performance, and Adrian Brody says, 
you know, I did it while I was, it was a wrestling uh, thing where he was supposed to be just lying on a, on a, he was on a, a massage table. Yeah. And he said, he said he, w- then they asked, he said he fell asleep because he didn't have any lines until, until the end of the second act. But, uh, and they asked him if he woke up in time or if he, if he hit his cue or if he, he missed his cue. Yeah. And, uh, and he says something like, uh, well, I, I woke up in time and I, I, I delivered my line, but I was, I was, what did he say? I was, I was a little startled or something like that. I, I delivered it in a different way. Um, but then he, but then that becomes kind of this catalyst for this whole, everyone's supposed to fall asleep. So they, so that the writer can so figure weird. out, can figure so out what to do. And, and then it comes into that big chant. If you can't wake up, you you can't wake up if, if you, you don't, don't fall asleep. If you don't go to sleep, yeah. And it almost becomes the moral of the movie, like you know. Uh, Which I didn't. I, I tried to think about that too, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I but, mean, but, I I did see some explanation that talked about grief and this idea of coping with grief because that's that does become a recurring theme of this with okay. with, with Augie's wife uh, wife has passed <laughs> and how he's coping with it. They talk about. Uh, I, I saw some explanation that I thought was really interesting that talked about Scarlett Johansson being sadness because if you look at the stages of grief sadness is one of them and and she represents sadness and at one point you know he finally embraces sadness i think he ends up having sex with her and, and yes that's his way of kind of embracing sadness and and that's when he could finally move on and she leaves the sadness leaves and she and and he moves okay. on and and so when you look at the line you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep it's this idea you have to face your your grief or you're not going to get over it that and i think that's probably fair to explore that as an idea but again the director's telling us that that could be part of it that there could be more and there could be, you know, it's, it's very fair to, to try to read into this stuff, but he, it sounds like yeah. they don't even know what it's all about. <laughs> you know? No. And I, I, and I think going into it and not trying to, not trying to figure it all out at the first go, like, and not even trying to, to yeah. take it all in, just, just watch it and, and take in what you take in. And, you know, it, it, it's like, um, it's like learning to swim. You don't you don't go you know jump in and do laps on your first time. You kind of pedal around and get get used to it. I think this was a be, would be a movie that I would have liked to have known the plot ahead of time. <laughs> like I would have liked to have known that you know it's a small town of or you know where people are gathering, uh, and when they're in the middle of this awards ceremony, an alien comes and steals the meteorite at the, in the in the. Uh, you know, from the uh, crater where they're all having the awards ceremony, and then well, it's not even that they're doing the they're they're watching the eclipse thing. Where oh, the right, three little ellipses, dots. ellipses. That's right. They have those boxes on their heads. Uh, the funny, the funniest part to that is the one kid goes, "I just see a staple." The lady pulls her <laughs> box off and spins it around. I was like, God right, damn. right. But then I guess you know the general is there, and they they end up going going through a lockdown because the president and the general order a lockdown for a week yeah. and everyone's kind of, they can't, and they're not able to, to communicate with anyone. They're trying to figure out what goes on. Although some kids are able to, able to get the word message out through some, which was, means. which was a great. <laughs> and, and then in the end though, when they're finally about to lift the quarantine, the alien comes back and returns the meteorite. It's got some crazy <laughs> message on it. And they cataloged uh, it. And then, uh, but then everyone's already about to revolt. So when they, they go to start the quarantine again, chaos ensues and everyone uses their experiments they created yeah. for the, for the, uh, the, the big meeting to, to cre- create this chaos. And that, that's kind of, I guess, the climax. And then after that, 
it's the epilogue and and it, this whole story is told in through the lens of this is a play uh and we see backstage happening at the same time and so yeah that was really awkward i, I know but i think knowing some of this stuff or at least knowing you know the 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 that structure helps dealing with those sort of things a little easier it's like you don't get saying okay where where's my narrative uh you, if you lose sight of the narrative then you can get lost in all this uh all well, this okay so this was one of the complaints that i heard by multiple people that were all on the same pl plane that they wish they would have just like okay just give us the movie side right just just play it out as it is if if, if you know i I think most people would have liked that more. I think they 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 felt more. It would have burdened. been easier to digest. <laughs> well, and I I think it would I think it would have added to the entertainment value and it would have made a better movie overall. Where this is now now it's a think think piece and now it's like oh my god now it's it's artsy and fartsy and you know pinky out. That's fair. You know, where I, mean, I think look, I think a lot of people look at Moonrise Kingdom. What what would have, that have felt like if they did, if they broke, if they broke out of the movie and went behind the scenes for some of it? I, it I don't think it would have worked. It would have it would have done kind of a disservice to to it. I I don't know if the the story itself was enough to hold up. So maybe that was part of. I, well, I, I'm, I'm just I'm sure it was, there was constructed with all that people. Mind, so there were several people that I heard talk about, it, and I think I agree with them. Like I almost would have just. Let us live in the asteroid city like it was there. Maybe well, add more to it. This is where you can I'm get sure, some of that deeper story. I'm sure producers of the movie uh, would have preferred that. You know, they would have, they would have <laughs> said, "What are you doing here? We just want a movie about asteroid city. That's going to sell more tickets." So I uh, well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I'm, I'm kind of happy we got what we got. I like I like movies that that are worth returning for for reasons of contemplation. Uh, and and so okay, yeah, yeah. I I'm happy that that Wes Anderson well, is trying this. I, I again I don't think this was his his best movie, and I have my own issues with it. But I do I do <laughs> like I I do think there's some um, genius behind it that is uh, is is fun to contemplate. <laughs> the, the church the church kids too. That, that's another the <laughs> the, the the teacher. Yeah having to go find uh, uh, Dwight when he was uh, out smoking with the Cowboys and stuff like that. Yeah. Just little things like that. I th there was so many I little things. I think I can forgive you. Story. Is that what he said? She says, or I think I believe, yeah. I think I believe you. <laughs> so it was just it, they're funny. There was, there was a lot of clever things in it. it, it they did a really good job. Yeah. Um, it's it, like I said, it's definitely, it's, it's a, a not a rewatchable because you have to, it's a rewatchable because you should just to, to get the, to get all of it. Like the, you, you, I don't think anybody there, I don't think there's a brainiac in the world. There's a, a movie connoisseur that can pick up all this on one, one viewing. I just don't, I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Um, and I think it's designed that way. But, but there's also the question of whether or not you want to read it's this uh, <laughs> and go through it. I mean, cause, cause the humor and the, and the visuals and those sort of things, maybe those are worth one viewing. Uh, and so are you going to return to, to try to pick up on more of it, especially if in the end they really tell you that it has no meaning. So don't bother, you know, well, and that, I, that's almost the message they're giving you. I found, I actually found some stuff funnier the second time. Okay. 
um, I, I had a couple little laugh out louds that in any of was, I mean, one of the, one of the scenes, you know, go back to the little girls and Tom Hanks when, uh, when he's trying to, uh, uh, what's the right word, um, where you dig up, uh, not, I want to say consume, but it's not consume. Uh, but when he when he wants to pull the Tupperware out of the ground with the mom's ashes and the curls oh, are exhume, <laughs> exhume. Okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm not like, consume, exhume. Yeah, right, there you yeah, go. Yeah, no, <laughs> but uh, but the the whole that whole scene cracked me up. And that's you know you talk about the, their line delivery where they're kind of all on top of each other, but it it works. That is one of them, and it's like. Uh, I, I was trying to, I wanted to go back and listen to it today, but I didn't get a chance. But one of them is like, I, it's towards the end of the little rant, but one of them is like, I will kill you. <laughs> or something like that, or I, I will end you kind of thing. I was like, Oh, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those funny things. Cause uh, you know, he's trying to pull the Tupperware out and they're trying to bury her to get her to, uh, so they can cast a spell on her to come back <laughs> and they, they lose their shit on him. And he's like, Oh yeah, I, I better not piss off these little girls. <laughs> Such a funny scene. Um, it's, it's they're 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 great. One of the uh, you know I talked about that article I read. They were talking about um, that scene where they the car where they're fixing the car and they show the other car that had the you know seventy seven or seventy seven cent part or the other one is like you know s- scrapped out for parts and so they're they're like yeah we got a beat up on a car. She goes I got to hit it with a stick and the other one was I threw rocks at it. <laughs> and, and, so I didn't think about it the first time, but what I had read that and then watched it again. And yeah, they're in the background just, you know, doing that. And I was like, oh, they're just having fun. Yeah. They're just out being little girls. It's, it's great. Um, a lot of good stuff in this movie. Um, I, I highly recommend this for anybody who has ever watched a, a West Anderson and enjoyed it. Um, if you've enjoyed anything that he's done before, I think you'll probably enjoy this. Um yeah, Jason Schwartzman, I, I did look it up. He did lead uh, Rushmore, which was one of uh, one of Wes Anderson's, oh, I think it was his second. I didn't like that one. Well, anyway, that you were you were mentioning that he may not have been the lead in the movie. He was the lead in that one, so. I thought Rush, I thought uh, Bill Murray was the lead in that one if I, when I was thinking about it. Because I think Bill Murray plays the dad in Rushmore, doesn't he? I, it's been a while. I think I saw it in the theater, so that would have been... Uh, almost twenty five years ago. Twenty five years ago. So uh, I, I mean, he I can't quite remember, but I do remember. He is top build, and I think it's probably because it's Bill Murray versus Schwartzman that Bill Murray seems like he's the lead of the movie. <laughs> From what I remember, yeah, I, I I remember not caring for it much. Um, uh, the only one I think I liked less than that, and and thought was even more ridiculous, was Life Aquatic. Yeah. That was and surprisingly. Uh, I, have, I have never seen that one. That's one that I've seen so many oh, it's clips so bad. of. But uh, okay, interesting. <laughs> it's I. I won't say it's so bad. It's it's hard to watch for me. I, I just. I think you have to be like if you like Rushmore, you might like Life Aquatic. Um, I think he gets he's it, they get different later on, and I think he he changes his 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 way he does stuff because. I enjoyed uh, Mr. Fox, uh, Fabulous Mr. Fox. I just watched that not too long ago. Haven't seen Budapest, and everybody talks about how great Budapest Hotel is. Um, it's very consumable. I mean, it's 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 punchy. It's it's a straightforward narrative, and it's really it's got great comic timing, and uh, that's got Ray Fiennes in it, who who's brilliant um, in his. The interesting thing is, is none of these things are really streaming. I mean, uh, Budapest, you have to buy. I mean, I. I 
I saw it on uh, Amazon for five bucks for the DVD, which isn't bad. But I was just like, why? Why aren't these? Why aren't they streaming? What is? What is the reason? Um, you mean you can't? I, you can't rent them or you or on or on stream? No, I don't even. I don't. Or I don't even. They're think not on can, streaming services. They're not on streaming services. Okay, I think it's okay. I don't even. I don't even know if you can rent Budapest digitally. I thought I. I was like I was looking at it, and I think you had to. You had to, like, buy the physical copy. Yeah. Okay. So you I know, could be wrong. I saw behind the scenes of, of uh, them building the sets for for this movie, uh, Asteroid City, where they actually went out into to they, they were able to build all these backdrops. You know, the the because they they where did you say they filmed this? Was it in Spain? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Well, they they had they had enough land where they actually built these back backgrounds um, and created the city, uh, and it reminded me you, you can you can go on YouTube and find this this short on on how they built this, and it's really kind of interesting. But I also recently watched uh, another short that talked about the the sets, which this kind of reminded me. And this is a movie that comes out. Uh, on Friday, that's uh, the new Barbie movie where they built kind of these oh god these these crazy sets, uh, which also has Margot Robbie. So, I I watched the trailer for that, and no 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 fucking way am I gonna watch that. It looks horrible. I'm curious. I I mean I love the love the director. I, She's the one that did Lady Bird, and I've seen some of her other movies that she starred. Some people She's, are gonna love it. I looked at that and I'm going, oh my god! How that do you think it's so... gonna do? It certainly got a lot of buzz. I uh, I think it, I think it's gonna bomb. Okay. I I I think I think it's get I, that false buzz that like the the movie studios are hyping it up and it's all that false advertisement bullshit. Everybody's talking about it. No, you're writing an article saying everybody's talking about it, but nobody's really talking about it and nobody. Fucking, <laughs> that's what I have a feeling. I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks annoying as hell. It looks. I mean, but it's not my genre. It's not something I'm into. I did, and I'm not even going to say I didn't play with Barbies because I did play with Barbies when I was a kid. I played with Barbies with my my cousin all the time. I don't have a problem with that. It just looked dumb. I I it, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, for them to hype that up as being the movie of the year, I'm like, then it, we're in a horrible fucking year. Well, it's interesting because it opens the same weekend as Oppenheimer, and that's a movie. I'm it's gonna fa- it's gonna fail miserably compared to Oppenheimer. Well, yeah, it's it's I don't know. I, I mean, it certainly got the got got a lot of buzz. I don't think I called uh, uh, the new Mission Impossible correctly. I thought it was gonna I thought it was gonna just explode in the domestic box office, but it sounds like. I don't think it even make, made as much money as the Indiana Jones did on the first weekend. And really? It's not domestically. Whoa. I bet internationally. You think it was because it was too hot? Too hot outside? People didn't want to travel to the theater? Well, I don't know. Theaters are cool. <laughs> so Unless you go to Oregon. Okay. Something oh, about that's right, one that's right, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I know the Mission Impossible got, got uh, incredible reviews. I still haven't seen it. But uh, um, and but it... But based on some of the numbers I read, I mean, it still did did fine. It sounds like internationally it's going to be incredible, but uh, but domestically, I think it was a little less than Indiana Jones. So apparently, there's one of those uh, the like you did uh, um, before uh, Maverick, where Tom uh, Tom comes out and thanks for coming to the movies. And so I saw a little clip of it. He is looking bad. Hey. He looks yeah. 
I, there, someone brought up and he goes, someone told him this is how real people talk to each other. And I go, I go, someone must have told him this is what real people look like, old and wearing a wig. He looks like he's wearing a wig. Yeah. Yeah. I was I, like, oh. I, I'm, I'm happy that he's, you know, letting his letting himself look like who he is <laughs> for his interview press tour just because you know people have got to get used to what real people look like and 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 I, I don't think I think he looks like he's had half of his face worked on and the rest of his face is starting to sag there's something that looks a little wrong with it um and um yeah you know which is too bad I wish you know I some people age well, some people don't, but then the people that get work done, eventually it's going to catch up with you and then you just look wrong. And that's kind of what he's starting to struggle with. Um, and I mean, he's, he, he is, you know, in his sixties. Right. So yeah. And it, it's starting to take it, it's starting to take its toll. I, I, I prefer, you know, someone like, Harrison Ford, you know, who, who lets his age show and, and really kind of embraces it more. I think he kind of struggled with roles once, uh, once he hit a certain age, I think he put out that, that movie, the submarine movie where he played the Russian, uh, commander. And I can't remember the name, but after that, he no longer had any, any, any real hits. It was, it was hard yeah. for him to get, get roles. And it was probably, I think he hit an age where he just, he looked a little bit more, he looked a little weaker and, and he was always known for having a certain presence and strength. And uh, that's just age kind of catching up with you. But I'm glad <laughs> that's I mean, that's one of the reasons why I really like that light, latest Indiana Jones um, movie. Right. Yeah, for sure. He, I mean, he shows up with a shirt. I won't even go with my shirt off right now. So and I'm I. I you know. Yeah. And he looks like he's he, he's kept himself healthy and worked out. But he also was not afraid to show, uh, you know, what an 80 year old body looks like. You know, that's for that sure. that's, you know does weight, you know, does still can bench press, uh, probably a, a good <laughs> amount. You know? Speaking yeah. of, uh, Raiders lost Ark, I just had my birthday. Uh, and on Sunday we, I celebrated, I, it was kind of a belated celebration with my family and my, my kids got me tickets, Cindy and me tickets to go see Raiders lost Ark in San Francisco. And it's, you get to watch it with a full, um, orchestra, that that performs that performs oh. during the movie. So I get to go see that in a couple of weeks. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. <laughs> right. That that's that's really cool. I know we talked about uh, going to see Oppenheimer in an IMAX, but I think I think you you won the, the deal on that one. <laughs> I I, uh, I did look it up, and it does have some showings. They were sold out, or like most of the seats were sold out for like a week after opening when I looked. So it's not, and that's this is in San Francisco, which is the nearest one I found. Um, oh, the the but, Oppenheimer. And I don't think I'll be able to wait. I think I'm still going to catch it here. At, you know, I'll see it in theater twelve or something, a big theater, and in in. in Local, you know, the, I say theater 12 oh, for sure. Our audiences. That's what I consider. The, that's the big the screen, biggest, the, for biggest, us. the biggest screen in uh, Santa Rosa. You know? Yeah. Up and three hours long. That's going to be good. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Uh, that's we'll, we'll do that one. That that releases this week. That's uh, yeah, we should do that after Deadpool. I think. OK, we can do that. Um, it's funny. I, uh, I had just pulled up Tom Cruise. Because we were talking about him and, you know, in IMDb, it scrolls through all his like, you know, greatest hits kind of things. And uh, they're showing uh, screenshots from uh, uh, or not screenshots, but little clips from uh, Taps. Oh, right. I, for, I was beautiful, like, oh, God, man, I for- beautiful as it gets blown away in the window. 
Such Spoiler. a yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they were showing that, and then they showed Outsiders, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I'm like, "Oh my god, this That's right. forgot he was in all that." Um, <clears throat> I'd love to do Outsiders. That's actually one of my my favorite movies of all time. Did you read that in high school as well, or junior? No, high? I, I did I not. <laughs> I did not read that in high school. I happened to read, and I didn't read it. I listened because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> not because I can't read, um, but just because work-wise, it's easier to listen to stuff. Uh, just in like the last year and a half, uh, I finally listened to it. I I found it on one of the apps I have for free, and I was like, oh shit! I didn't. It is very close to the book. I was surprised. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's uh, Francis Ford Coppola directed that, didn't he? I believe. I believe so. I yeah. believe you're correct. So yeah, I just I, I just remember as a kid that was one of my favorite movies and just thinking about how many big actors were in that, it was like, oh my God, it's such a crazy and I you know, I didn't even until recently, I didn't even realize it was a book, you know, not not because I'm, you know, out of touch with stuff, but just because I don't go looking for that. But then when I found out, I was like, Oh, let me listen to this and I was like, Oh crap, this is really, really close to it. So, you know, uh but yeah. Excellent, excellent movie. Um, yeah, so next week we're going to be covering Deadpool. Uh, this is where our MCU crew, uh, we got Bo and Nina coming in for, for what could be considered one of the best or at least funniest uh, superhero movies out there, uh, at least in my book. I mean, it's, it's up best, there. Best, funniest, with raunchiest, you could say, too. You know? It definitely gets that. You know, for it, a superhero it movie, yeah. Well, I, I believe it was also the first R-rated uh, kind of superhero movie that, at least in this current time frame of era of movies, yeah. uh, it was the one that kind of said, look, we can make an R-rated movie and people are going to fucking love it. And they did. They did. And it made um, bank, too. So <clears throat> God, it did. And I think it, so helped, much, it helped greenlight the Wolverine um, it uh, Logan, definitely Logan did. movie that went R-rated, even though it didn't go quite the same raunchy direction. <laughs> no, it, it went its own little direction. It, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of other things in it. But, yeah, uh, so we're covering Deadpool. I am ecstatic to do that. I, I think that I'm... Mostly because I want to watch it again. Yeah, and, I know. And this I was gives me a Cindy, reason. <laughs> I was telling Cindy earlier what we were doing. She's like, "Oh, good. I get. I want to watch that." You know, she, <laughs> yeah. she was just excited that it's going to be on again. So, yeah, is that on uh, Disney? No, it wouldn't be on Disney. When, where is it's that? a Sony. It's a Sony uh, product. Okay, might have. To, I might have to buy um, it. <laughs> I do not have to buy it or rent it or anything because I have that on Blu-ray. Right. So I. I will be able to watch it that way, but let me let me see real quick uh, if I can find it. Have you been watching um, anything I, else? I know you had a had a martial arts tournament you went to, so you yeah, I was were a little busy, busy this. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely busy this last weekend, but I did. Uh, I I like I said, I continued to watch um, the Disney uh, miniseries uh, Marvel uh, Secret Invasion. Um, we'll, we'll cover that at some point. I've been watching that. Um, and I got back into a couple episodes of Star Trek uh, um, Brave New Worlds. Okay. Uh, I I really like it. I don't know if I care for this season as much as I did the first one. Okay. Well, it sounds like and the I, other seasons just blew you away. So that's probably. The first season was so good. And, and I don't know if it's just the stories they're tackling or the people they're, the people they're kind of keen off of are not as interesting to me or uh, what what the story is why i'm not dived into as much of it um yet i still really like the characters i still really like 
the Star Trekness of it, right? I think they do a really good job with that. Um, I'm just I, the stories they had in the, the the first season just seemed to be better stories than the second season. I, I don't I don't know why yet, um, but it's it's definitely a fun watch if you're a Star Trek fan in any aspect. This I put this right up there uh, with Next Generation as far as when it came out. It was the shit. Um, yeah. I think it's better than any of the others that came after that. And it's exclusive on Paramount Channel. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking up Deadpool since it's on ABC.com and FoxNetwork.com, so it's it's plain regular. But you probably aren't going to get all the good parts if you're watching it on that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, or you can uh, rent it at, uh, from Amazon Prime. That's probably what I'll do. Yeah. Uh, or or just let me know and I can send you over the the DVD or Blu-ray copy. Yeah, but that means so. I got to dig up a, a Blu-ray player that I think we have, but it's not hooked up because we haven't really. Yeah. Well, we don't. I at least we, we don't. I at least have that. <laughs> um, I actually, I need I need to check this one and see if I if it comes with a digital copy because that's that, my I've got lucky the last couple times. I'm like I pull it out and I'm like oh I still got the digital copy. Let me sign that in and watch it on my Amazon. <laughs> I started watching um, an HBO series that just, I think it just uh, finished its uh, series finale with the fourth season, but I watched the first season of Barry, which is, uh, um, Oh yeah. 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 Bill, Bill Hader plays an assassin turned wannabe actor. Um, And it's, it's, I I watched, what's that? I've wa- I've watched some of it. Okay, I watched the first full season, um, and they're they're bite you know they're only half ever hour episodes, so it's it 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 lends itself to kind of binge binging a lot easier. I think I think you can get some good at storytelling, <clears throat> and I really I I was drawn to the drama. It has kind of a, a dark comedy. I do think very dark. I do think season two started a little too quirky. It almost like it, it amplified the comedy and the characters and made them a little less realistic where I thought it was a little bit more grounded okay. for season. So um, I'm, I'm about halfway through the second season and it's getting more interesting, but I was a little, I was a little turned off at first. So um, I, I think I preferred the tone of the first season that, that was, but, but we'll see. I think, I think it's starting to, to, you know, find its stride again. And, uh, so I'm, I'm interested in keeping going and I've heard rave reviews about, uh, the, the yeah. season three and four. So, so hopefully it'll hold up. And again, it's well, so easy to watch when there's such short episodes. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause I got the recommendation to watch that from Sierra, my daughter and her boyfriend, Seth. And, uh, so me and Alyssa tried to watch it and, and, you know, in the first season, there is some blood and guts and yeah. some craziness and <clears throat> Alyssa just wasn't having it. And so I don't think we finished the first season, but now it sounds like you're saying that the second season gets a little more funny and a little more. It's still violent. I'm not saying it's not violent. I just think some of the characters get a little sillier and it still has this, this violent assassin backdrop, but, uh, but then maybe the quirky, (laughs) um, you know, it almost, it's, you know, I don't mind idiosyncratic characters, but when, when, when the series is kind of grappling between a, a grounded black comedy versus kind of a, a slapstick um, three stooges esque um, characters. Uh, and I think it's kind of trying to have both and it doesn't gotcha. always, it, I, I don't think it's, I think it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. So uh, I, 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure you have, but you've seen Dexter, correct? I've not much. <sighs> yeah, sorry. I'm surprised. I am. I'm surprised if because that is. I've seen a couple episodes, but up until about the fifth season, I think it's pretty fucking tight. It's really good, and then the and then it it one of those jumps the shark kind of thing. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm surprised. I, I would have thought that you would have been to that, but it is one of those where there's some violence and stuff like that, but it, it has more of a grounded feel to it where it's more realistic. And, and, and so I, I would have thought, I would have thought you'd have been into that one. Okay. Now we know, I mean, there's so much out there. I mean, you know, you loved, uh, Breaking Bad and I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this show. So <laughs> right. actually, no, I, I, I take that back. The show is great. The characters annoyed me so much it was it was hard for me to watch because I wanted to smack the shit out of them all yeah. the time. So it, it was hard for me to watch that. So yes, it is a very good show, and maybe that's why it is a great show is because there was so much I wanted to slap them that it was hard for me to <laughs> say, and just say like, no, this is a character, he's not real. Uh, <laughs> so awesome. All right, well that's Asteroid City. We 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 beat that up. I I definitely recommend seeing this. Um, you might have to wait a little while if you don't want to drop twenty dollars to rent it or twenty four dollars to uh, purchase electronic copy for yourself. You can still catch uh, it in the theater though too. So yeah, that's true. It is is still out there. If you got an art house theater near you, it's probably be probably playing. Um, yeah, it, it's if you were if you like if you've liked any Wes Anderson movies. You're probably gonna like this. I, I I think this is in probably, I would say it's in the top five of most people's Wes Anderson movies. I can't see it really falling below that. At least to me, um, I haven't seen all of Wes Anderson's, but realistically, I think this is 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 a number two for me. I think I still like Moonrise Kingdom a little better, um, but I also haven't seen Budapest Hotel. So, yeah, I. I, I want him to, I mean, I think it's interesting that he's exploring more existential themes and stuff, but I'm getting so kind of bored with his beautiful style. You know, it's beautiful and it's <laughs> incredible to look at, but it's always become, it, it always seems like it's it's a lot of the same. And, and Is your pinky a little tired from being out all the time? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> um, so... I like I, I really enjoyed watching it at the same time. I, I want him to to step outside his comfort zone and, and see about see what he can do with something else. That's that's a little little different. Um, I, I so. agree. I, you, you're right. It's like, OK, we know you can do this. This show us something different. Show us you can be a director that can do other things instead of just this is all I can do. You know? Yeah, I, I think I think that's you're 100 percent right, because you've amazed everybody with what you do now amaze us with something new yeah you can't just keep dialing in your style you know and that's yeah. kind of what it feels like this is gotten this is this is pure wes anderson and so yeah. you're not gonna you're not gonna he's not stepping out his of his comfort zone here right it's like when i'm sparring and i kick someone in the nuts it works really good but i can only <laughs> go to that move so many times before they figure it out and quit you know quit doing dealing with it so uh, perfect. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. Join us again next week when we hit Deadpool. Uh, and I guess in a, probably two weeks, we're going to hit Oppenheimer. Awesome. So uh, we've got a pretty good uh, list of movies going uh, from the couple back all the way up to this. And uh, and we're going to keep those going. Uh, we're going to get our spouse episodes going again here soon. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, join us again uh, next week and the weeks after. And uh, until then, that's how we seize it. Hail Caesars! What did you just do? I burned my hand on the quickie griddle. Why? It's not clear. Show me. You really did it. That actually happened. What does that mean?